welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 200. And 75, Hunting Runners with Scott Ellis. And I am your host and the guy, and I am your co-host, one of your co-hosts, and the guy who missed Hogzilla this past weekend. And I am your co-host and the guy who is worried that he may blow out the reeds on his turkey calls driving down the road. Because I'm not allowed to play them in the house anymore. I think everybody listening to this podcast can relate to that problem. I'm pretty sure one of them's done. I looked at the reeds and they're they're pretty loose at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So good. Deal. That means the time is approaching. Yes, indeed. So, Cameron, you're practicing with the diaphragm call now. Are mm-hmm. you working on? Any other calls or, or any other types of calls that you're trying to get practiced up with before season kicks in for you? Yeah, one would be I ordered a gobble call, and I've been practicing with it. It's uh, from Flexstone, I believe. They're Thunder Gobbler, and I like it pretty good so far. It sounds good to me. I don't know if a turkey will gobble at it or not yet, but it's going to go in the vest to start. I just never have, have gobbled it? at one. Do you yeah. have it right there? Yeah, I have it. Run it. Yeah. All right. Let me pick it up real quick. There's the flex stone, Thunder Gobble. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it sounds good to me. Not that that matters. I hope it sounds good to wild turkeys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I'm, I'm going to try it out this year. I've never had a gobble call and i've never i've gobbled at some before with a box call and it worked so i thought i'd try to get a mouth blown call and if you if you're interested in getting the call like this if you can run a duck call into a feeder call on it you can run this call as soon as you get it out of the package so you didn't ask for it i'm going to give it to you and i'm going to say this too give cameron a grade on running the air operated gobble call by going to the I Am Turkey Hunting Facebook page. Yep. And just put your comment there, Cameron's air-operated turkey call or gobble call, and give him a grade, one to ten. 
with 10 being, oh my God, I went and got my shotgun because it was yeah. the best thing I've ever heard. If you and, started aiming a gun at the phone, that's a 10. Yes. <laughs> a let, one, me, let me do one more for the listeners, okay. and I'm going to step away from the phone a little bit. Okay. I, I want to give them every opportunity here. You Wait, wait, before you do, you also need to do a, just a real quick video and post it on the Facebook page. Okay, but I can do that. Obviously not right now, but go ahead. Yes. Step away from okay. the phone. Here we go. I'm ready for spring. You're ready for spring. <laughs> I give you an eight. All right. Hey, that, that means it'll work sometimes, probably. And eight's a pretty darn good score. Yeah. I'll take it. The thing sounds good to me. It's easy to operate, so that's what I liked. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. I'll I'll come back hopefully uh, in March or April and say, hey, I gobbled a turkey and he ran in and I killed him. Everybody needs to go get one of these. Except for then, I'm not going to tell you about it because I don't want anybody else knowing my secrets. Right. So yeah. this thing is terrible. If I, if I tell you how terrible it is, you better go out and buy one. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. So, you know, I gave it an eight because I hunt turkeys that don't gobble. So I don't really know what the sound is like <laughs> to have anything to compare it to. So you have a point you know, there. You have a point there. Couldn't give you a 10 and I didn't want to be mean and give you a one. So yeah, we're going eight and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. Yeah. Please post on Facebook. Give me a what your ranking is, listeners. I'd like to, honestly, I'd like to see what other people think because, you know, when you blow something, it sounds different than it oh, does yeah. to other people. So I'd like to know what it actually grades. Yeah, you're, you're right. It's completely different in, mm -hmm. your, in your ears than it is to someone else's. And, you know, obviously it's going to sound different too when you're in the woods. So mm -hmm. I don't know, is it raining in Jackson? Yeah, it's raining pretty good outside. I've maybe, blown it a couple. Go ahead. Maybe Thursday or Friday, just take a 15, 20 second video out in the woods. Okay. With that. I'll do that. And then post I'll that. put it on uh, our Facebook page and I'll I'll post a story of it on my Instagram for people that follow me on there. And y'all can send us something on Facebook and tell me how terrible it sounds. Uh, I don't think you're going to get too many of those comments. <laughs> but, okay. Cool. So like you, you mentioned that if it works, you're not telling anyone because you don't want to give up any of your secrets. And I totally get that. It's really hard to do it sometimes on this show. And there's some parts of this episode that I want to edit out because I don't want people to hear them. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'd agree with that. we've got some gold for you guys in this week's episode. We have Scott Ellis on the show, and you guys know Scott as being a three-time Grand National Turkey Call champion. And you also know him from the Hunt Quest videos that he does, which are on YouTube and the Mossy Oak Go app. Mm-hmm. He's also the pro staff manager for Woodhaven Custom Calls and Apex Ammunition. And he is on the Thermocell and True Glow pro staffs as well, which is a whole bunch of stuff that he does. And it's just really, I think you can kind of sum all that up and say that there are a lot of people in the hunting industry 
that think highly of Scott Ellis and want their products associated with his name. Mm-hmm. With good reason. With good reason. And you guys are going to hear some of that good reason today on this show. So, Cameron, I almost hate to do this too, but out of all of the shows that you've co-hosted so far, Ooh. so far, out of all the shows that you've co-hosted, who was your favorite interview with? Let's see. Man, after looking over the list, it's either myself or Scott Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Scott Ellis. Oh, yes, indeed. It really is a good one. So when I use the term runners, Cameron has a different term that he uses for it. Scott has a different term that he uses for it. But I think that it will make sense to you guys when you hear it. But Cameron, mm-hmm. what's the term you use? I call them vagabonds, which is a person who has no home and is constantly moving. So a vagabond gobbler would be one that he's he's on the move and you're trying to catch up to him and you, you just can't do it. When they get to rolling, it's amazing how fast they can go. So really I call is. them vagabonds. Ken Morgan in his book, One Man Game, he calls them circuit riders. So there's a plethora of names out there, but everybody knows what we're talking about. If you've been in the woods for a couple of years, you've probably run across one of these suckers. Yeah. Scott calls them nomads which is another mm-hmm. great term. Yeah. So there's a ton of names, and there's a couple of different versions, I guess is the word I'm looking for, of these runners or nomads or vagabonds, and Scott talks about those a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. I think we got some great tactics in this episode. What do you say we jump in it and go? Absolutely. Y'all pay attention because Scott gives you advice on hunting these runners as well as calling, and and you're going to pick up some serious tips from this one that you'll be able to throw in your vest for this year. No doubt. Do what Cameron said. Listen in close, and we'll see you on the other side. And how many days do we have till turkey season? Oh, man. (laughs) You know, it's, it's funny because before we started recording for the intro for the show, <laughs> I told Cameron, I said, you know, this is, I've been doing this for six years, so I'm having to make some adjustments in my head as to the flow of the show. For example, I wanted to say I'm your host and the guy who did X. Well, I'm still your host, but we have another host, so I'm your co-host. So I have to remember to make that little change. Well, I was so worried about making my little changes in my head. I didn't do the one thing that I want, or I shouldn't say won't, that I don't ever want to change. And that is to tell you when Alabama's turkey season opens. So as of right now, we are 44 days, 10 hours, 4 minutes, and 34 seconds away Mm. from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. And I want to hear about South Florida. South Florida, we will be opening in 30 days, 10 hours, 6 minutes, and 15 seconds. I will be there after a nice 14-hour drive, ready to hear Mr. Osceola sing his song on opening morning. Man, 30 days. 30 days. I'm getting jacked up. (laughs) Well, now I know why you've been blowing the reeds out of your calls. Oh, yeah. Are you still married? I am. Good. I am. Great. 
for 30 days at least. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> she may I get rid I, of you before that with turkey calling. Yeah, I think I got 30 days still in the bag. It, it's After that, it could get interesting, but I, I think I'll be around for another three, four weeks. We'll see. I hear you. Good deal. All right, so let's shut up and get into this interview. Y'all enjoy it. See you on the other side. Hey, everybody. This is Cameron Weddington of the Turkey Hunter Podcast, your co-host this evening. I have on the line with us tonight your other co-host, Andy Galliano, and Scott Ellis. And Scott, how are you and where are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Glad, glad to be here, guys. I appreciate you having me. I'm actually in Georgia for work right now at a hotel room. <laughs> And just gearing up for the Nashville Convention next week, and as well gearing up for turkey season with my son, Jake. The youth season will be uh, February 29th, I believe, in the Florida South Zone. So we're literally a couple of weeks away from turkey season and starting the adventure that, that runs all the way to the end of May for me this year. Wow. February the 29th. And, yeah. <laughs> Was that two weeks Two weeks after the convention? Gee, I yeah. believe so. Two, two Saturdays, yeah. Um, normally and, it's the yeah. weekend after convention. But That's this awesome. year, it's uh, there's a there's a space in between, and we get one week of of reprieve before before the chaos starts. <laughs> so now, are you going to be calling, or is your son going to do the calling? Because I've seen your hunt quest; he's he's pretty good too. <laughs> he is, he is, and um, I want to say season two uh, captured him calling in his first bird on his own, and then the other bird that he harvested that season, he called in. We we teamed up on that turkey, the second turkey, but. Um, it'll be a group effort. I think it just depends on the bird. I like to let him take the lead now because it's at that point where he's 13, he'll be 14 in July. So it's to the point where he needs to start taking the reins and kind to trying to lead the, the, the campaign, if you will, to, to get this bird in gun range. And as you guys well know, if you followed me longer than five minutes, we don't run decoys. He's never learned to use a decoy. We, we use setup and good calling and good woodsmanship, mm-hmm. um, all three combined to have our success so yeah it's at a point where I, i'm gonna let him take the reins like i said if he needs a little backup i might give it to him but it's he'll be hunting by himself in a few years a few short years he'll be on his own um, not that we won't share the tree together but he'll probably start going out with buddies and hunting on his own and probably doing it on a lot of public land in central florida because that's where i cut my teeth and made me the turkey hunter i am today is hunting pressured osceolas in central florida you know even 30 years ago there were still a lot of people trying to kill osceolas you know on public ground now it's tenfold worse because yeah. people are trying to avoid paying two to three thousand dollars for an Osceola turkey. And then there's always the big push now for the niche, if you will, for public land hunting. People are just losing their minds over it and they're they're really embracing I am a public and land owner that you've heard the guys talk about and you see the T shirts about it and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's a uh, mm-hmm. it's um so that was the long answer. Yes, I I'll let Jake call and, and B, I'll get him back up if needed. <laughs> yeah. You know, Cameron Jake has a pretty decent instructor when it comes to calling. Yeah, I would think he'd have a pretty good shot at turning out to be a good caller. <laughs> he is, and, it, and it's not just the calling, fellas. You know, um, I am a huge advocate of, of realism in turkey calling and sequences. Yeah. And the way I hunt turkeys all across the nation and have had the success that I've had is it is it good setup? Is it woodsmanship and thinking like a turkey? One hundred percent. But there are so many mm-hmm. times when that realism has paid dividends. You just don't get dumped off in a in a piece of property, 
and just say, well, we've heard turkeys in this area and you go kill them without sounding arrogant here, just with the success that I've had over the last 20 years with just being a good woodsman, because there the woodsmanship is a part of a facet of woodsmanship, excuse me, gentlemen, is patterning birds and scouting and learning those birds. Well, I don't know anything about these turkeys. I just know that there are birds in the area. So mm-hmm. when it comes down to that, you have to revert back to realism and calling and making sure you have a good setup. And in my opinion, thinking like a turkey and what is his next step going to be in trying to be one step ahead of him. Yeah. You know, when I had you on the show last year after the NWTF convention, we talked about soft calling and mm-hmm. some of those, a little bit of that, of the topic of the nonverbal calling of turkeys. And Right. Turkey sounds, know, not vocalizations. Right. Yeah. And, and to me, you know, in, in listening to your calling and watching your videos, I mean, I hate to say this out loud because uh, there may be some people that might get ticked off, but with the soft stuff, <laughs> I don't know of anybody any better. I mean, you kill oh, it. Well, I appreciate with that. that. Stuff. Thank you. And yeah, thank you. The, the realism in your calling is mind blowing. Um, and the, and the, you know, all the competitive callers today, I think, have taken that extra step and added that realism into their their calling sequences. And when you can sit and listen to the Scott Ellis's of this world call with your eyes closed and you literally see hen turkeys scratching in the leaves and you see their beaks moving with the calling <laughs> and you can see their their heads moving about, looking around, and you see them pecking at the ground. I mean, right. It, it, and that soft amazing. stuff really pays dividends on pressure turkeys. Just okay. to add a caveat to what y'all got, you guys are talking about. Not only does it work on, on hunting leases and, and hunting clubs and even outfitters, that those birds do receive some pressure that, that really works well, that soft stuff on public ground, on pressured, very pressured turkeys. And it just, like I said earlier, I, I go a lot of places every year, and I, and I don't know anything about the ground. I'm using Google Maps, Onyx. I'm using a little bit of the guide knowledge, or say the guide, the, the landowner, whoever's invited us, what's over that hill, what's, is there a pond, is there an obstacle, you're using all that woodsmanship stuff, but when it comes down to it, communicating with the bird with that soft stuff you're talking about and or, or getting loud and aggressive when you need to get loud and aggressive mm-hmm. and being able to command the call on demand is what I call it, command on demand, <laughs> where you're basically able to say what you want to say to that turkey at the drop of a pin or drop of a hat. You, you're going to go, okay, I'm going to cluck and purr. I'm going to cut. I'm going to um, excited yelp to him. And, and knowing that you're trying to capitalize on his emotion level. And that's what you're doing when you're communicating with a turkey. You're calling with him, communicating with him. You're not calling at him. And when I say calling at him, a good example is the guy that goes to the woods and he kills a bird or two every year. And he goes, cut, cut, yup, yup, yup. Cut, cut, yup, yup, yup. And he gobbles and he goes, cut, cut, yup, yup, yup. He's not taking in the three-dimensional view of, okay, he's gobbling very aggressively at every sound I make, so let me go quiet so I can try to play coy with him just a little bit. They don't, people don't take all these different variables into consideration, and they just want to hear the gobble. I, I'm just as guilty of it. I think we all are. That's why we're there, right? Half the reason we're there is the one, eight, eat wild turkey breast at the end of the day, and two, hear that sucker gobble. So yeah. that said, you have to learn to capitalize on his emotion and exploit his emotion and use the ability to communicate with the bird in his own language on demand 
is how you're going to kill turkeys using vocalizations as a key point of success. And it's just hard to get people to wrap their head around it sometimes because, you know, you, you hear it a lot in society, in the turkey hunting society. Well, you don't have to be a great caller to kill a turkey. We all know that. But why not up your game and, and become more realistic? Why not mimic the bird you're trying to harvest here, people? Why not be able to talk to this bird in his own language and be effective with calling? When all it takes is just some practice and a little dedication to become the next level caller. I don't mean a stage caller. I'm saying mm-hmm. the next level of realism can be attained by the average guy with just a little bit more practice than coming out two weeks before the season and pulling his mouth calls out of the fridge, you know, or his pot call out of the vest or his box call or whatever. So it's just, it's a, it's such a cumulative success story when you couple woodsmanship setup and realistic calling. You take any one of those variables out of the equation and your success level or your success rate will not be quite as high in my opinion, especially if you're a traveling guy like myself, where I do not get to scout and pattern these birds and know where they're flying down and know where they're roosting and know where they're lingering during the day. I don't have that luxury. So I lean on my ability to call and communicate as one of my keys to success. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say one thing, and you may not know this, but your videos online have helped me with my calling personally. And one thing I do is when my wife isn't home, I'll have my diaphragm in and (laughs) watch – watch a hunt quest episode and when you got that turkey out there gobbling and whatever you do i try to do the exact same thing on my call and i've, I've learned a lot especially that little wine you do is something i've right. really tried to pick up from you because i've seen your youtube video on that probably 20 times trying to make sure i got it down because i love that right. little stuff like that. it's different it's something not everybody's doing in the woods that's right and it's something that the hens do all the time absolutely mm-hmm. yeah but, but hunters do not and that's where you think man, I bet I can convince him that I'm actually a hen and not a hunter. Because that's, again, that's where that realism pays dividends when you are doing stuff and creating sounds and cadences and that, that they don't hear every day from the guy that's squawking on the box call or chonking on his mouth call over and over again. And those are the little nuances, the little soft yelps, the little bubble clucks, the little soft purrs, scratching in the leaves, old school stuff, using a wing to scratch in the leaves or to create a feather on like feathers on tree bark kind of thing is what I've always used it to. And it, I think it simulates like a strutting bird or just mm-hmm. a little flip of a wing. I use a fly down cackle when I'm, when I'm fly down cackling, I use a wing to simulate those wing beats with the sound that's being created. I've actually done a fly down with no cackle and just done it with the wing to simulate a, a fast wing beat hen that's flying down just to try to make him think there really is a turkey over there. And that's what we're doing, especially when it comes down to those harder pressure birds. We are trying to make him think there truly is a hen over there, whether it's with vocalizations or with just turkey sounds that aren't vocalizations. And that's where it pays dividends to, to take your calling ability to the next level and your, your whole skill set to the next level for that matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Cameron, are you watching those videos on HuntQuest? I am. I usually <laughs> go through the YouTube route, but Scott, how can... For listeners, how could they watch videos of you turkey hunting from past years? Absolutely. Um, it's on the Mossy Oak Go app. It's a free app that's available in the App Store and the Google Play Store. And, of course, YouTube. It's there on YouTube. And it's called and Hunt Quest, right? Hunt Quest, that's right, yep. And it showcases myself, my kid. We do some deer hunting a little bit. We do some quail hunting. We do some hog hunting. It's primarily focused on turkey but there is a there is 
a good bit of other types of hunting that's involved. And it's uh, I'm real proud of what I'm doing. And, you know, I work a full-time job, guys and gals that are out there listening right now. I don't – people – so many times will message me go I, I, you're living my dream i'm like i i, I work a full-time job dude <laughs> mm-hmm. i i just take a lot of long weekends i take two days of vacation and fly on a wednesday night and i hunt thursday friday saturday and then sunday morning if we can and the flights will allow it and i can come home later that afternoon and that's what i'm doing all of what you're seeing is not me being paid thousands of dollars to go hunting i'm being paid by my company and i take vacation and I'm going out and chasing these gobblers and, and going on these deer hunts based on vacation time, period. That's it. Holidays yeah. and vacation time. So there's a lot. I hope to get that word out to a lot of people. And there's several of the guys that are that are uh, doing that out there that work a full-time job, and they're having to sprinkle in their hunting on the side. And that's where I think if people realize that, they'd appreciate it even more, that we're not being paid a gajillion dollars to be a, a turkey hunting guy. You know, that goes out and mm-hmm. chases turkeys all over the country, and you can pay to do it. No, and that's not the case. So, yeah. How long has the Mossy Oak Go app been around? Oh, you know? only about a year, I think. Yeah, yeah it's pretty I new. It yeah, it's relatively new. Yeah, I thought it was new. Yeah. yeah. I think so. last year, maybe, maybe a year, a little over a year. Yeah. Okay. It's a great platform. There's tons of shows from from tons of different people all over, from every walk of life and every facet of hunting is all there. You can spend days on that thing, entertaining yourself with hunting videos on that app. So, sorry about that. Go ahead, guys. <laughs> no, no, that's that's good. I appreciate you saying that because I actually don't have the app, and now I'm probably going to really be Download it. <laughs> well. I will, and I'm going to be really distracted when I'm sitting in the tree stand for the final time this weekend. So, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> as if I'm not already distracted sitting up in the tree stand running my box call to practice. There you go. Hey, I've always been an advocate of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so yep. I, I, I think it has a calming effect. Yeah, I do too. I do too. As I mean, long as you sound like a turkey. I think uh, deer and turkeys have a symbiont, if you will, and you see them feeding together all the time. I think if a deer hears a turkey yelping and he doesn't think it's a hunter that's yelping, I think that a deer will, uh, it, it calms them. I think they think, well, if there's a turkey over there yelping, then it must be okay. It must be safe. Yeah. And, uh, other people will debate that, but I've always felt like, you know, you hear you hear turkeys in the fall a lot and big flocks, and the deer just looking around feeding and, you know, doing going about their business. They're, so I, I've never had a problem with anybody calling in a tree during deer hunting to help pass the time and working on your calls a little bit. So moving on, sorry, just a little sidebar there. <laughs> no. Do you still have the Turkey Tech app? Absolutely, super super proud of that. Google Play and the App Store is four ninety nine. We're doing. We're we're fixing to launch an update. I'll give the rundown of what it already has, and that is, uh, I think, ten different calls. Everything from clucking and purring and yelping and cutting and excited yelping and fly down cackles and fighting purrs. And I think I said plain yelp already. It's like eight or ten of the major calls you need to learn as a turkey hunter. It has wild turkeys creating these sounds. I have audio of examples of each of these sounds of the wild turkey doing it. I have audio of me creating that particular sound on a mouth call and a pot call. And the key ingredient to success here is there's video instruction on mouth calls and on pot calls for all of these. Lastly, there's tips written out about the call, what the call is in, in a descriptive word wording. It also has why turkeys use it and when you should use it as a hunter. And hmm. well, I said lastly, but last but not least, is there's actually a recorder that will, that will tie into the app on your phone and you, utilize your microphone. 
and you can record your own calling and play it back. And then you can play me calling against your calling. Or more importantly, you can play the wild turkeys calling against your calling and you can compare yourself. So it is a very comprehensive look at calling and hunting the turkey. Oh, and the updates, we're doing a locator section. I'm doing a gobbler and jake yelping section, which is a very, very Excellent. overlooked call that people are starting to finally pick up on jake yelping and gobbler yelping. is super successful in the spring. And it also includes, I think, four or five hunting scenarios where I basically introduce a clip from a hunt, and it's, it's shortened, it's condensed to some degree, but the meat and potatoes of the hunt are there, and I'm introducing the clip telling you what you should be keying on on what I did to make that hunt successful. And it's another great update that's going to be coming for the guys that already have the app. Be looking for it. You've got a nice update coming any day now. We're, we're ready to launch it any day. The IT part of it's almost done, and we're trying to get it out there right now. Man, that's awesome. sweet. Yeah, that that is a great update to that app. Okay. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I, the feature of being able to record your own calling and compare it to Scott Ellis or compare it to Live Turkeys, I'll, I'll pass on that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just compare to the turkeys don't mind me i mean you know we're we're just as good as we can call and i'm saying we being the the upper level competition the stage guys i mean as as much as i think we we sound similar to turkeys we're still so far from creating on latex what turkeys do with live tissue in their throat i mean and that's yeah. just me trying to be humble and and be honest i listen to my own recordings all the time trust me and I go, yeah, that's okay. That's pretty decent. I mean, is it better than a lot of people's? Yes. Is it is it is is it turkey 100% through and through? In my opinion, no. And none of us are. And I just don't think that God allowed us with rubber to create what a hen turkey's doing with her voice box. So, but we've done a good job of we're we're doing pretty good with it. You know, we're mimicking it, and we are definitely creating another level of realism. And and that that can be something that leads to success in the woods. Not all the time. It's not always good calling. So don't don't be confused. Um, I'm not knocking any. I'm not going <laughs> to throw anybody under the bus here. But I mean, I know some guys that are competition turkey callers that are not. They're not successful, consistent killers. And and I'm only saying that not again to throw any of my competitors under the bus, but only to prove the fact that as good as the calling can help, it's not the end game. And I agree with people 100%. That is not the defining the defining factor that you need to do. You have to couple that with being a woodsman and knowing how to set up on a turkey and knowing how to think like a turkey. And you do all those together, then you have a turkey serial killer. But just calling good and calling a lot is not the answer. That is not what is going to kill birds day in, day out. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. And I have one other thing to say that you may disagree with, and if you do, that's fine. It's my opinion, and I would like to hear what yours is, and Cameron's as well. But that what you said about not being able to perfectly recreate turkey sounds with a piece of latex or rubber, mm-hmm. I feel like is 100% true. You, if mm-hmm. you listen to the really good natural voice callers, those men and women, to me, they sound like a turkey sounds. I mean, they're that the sound coming from air passing over your vocal cords and through your throat Mm-hmm. is more realistic than a piece of latex. That's just my opinion. If and they're really good. The really obviously. good ones. Yeah. Right, right. If my voice is good, so I can, let's see. Yeah. 
So there's a decent run of what I can do yelping and doing some clucking. I can purr. So there's some soft stuff with my voice. And I've killed turkeys doing that, too. It's definitely um, another, a different sound. There is no doubt about it. Their voice box is obviously different than ours, but if you can manipulate your voice and you can, you can, there are people that are way better than I am, but I agree with you. It's a, it's a very realistic sound because it is coming off a tissue and not off of a rubber. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I will not argue with that. I'll not, not the, the really good ones, the really, really good ones. Not, not everybody yeah. can go, yelp, 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 yelp. I mean, obviously, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> yeah. sound like a turkey, but yeah, but the ones that can do it, usually can do it pretty dang well i tend to think i'm okay at it but as far as it it, it's a different sound completely than what a reed vibrating sounds like without a doubt or or you know crystal with a striker or a box call the paddle against the soundboard some some really good box calls are some of the best most realistic sounding yelps that you'll hear is from a really good box call but at any rate yeah i agree with you yeah man i I know cameron can too i could sit here and talk calling and (laughs) <laughs> general turkey stuff with you all day long and i know you probably have stuff you'd rather too. do than sit on the phone with me all night long but i want to pick your brain about a topic that i know gives me fits when i run across it i ran across it fortunately only one time last season but it seems mm-hmm. like when i run across it in the seasons that i run across it, it it'll be two or three times and it seems, you know, and of course I have no way of knowing this, it seems like it's the same turkeys, mm-hmm. and they are just, man, they deal me fits. They're so random, they don't act like turkeys, they act like marathon runners, and mm-hmm. without a course. And I'm going to explain this a little bit more, but I'm going to paint you a picture of what I'm talking about, and then tell you what okay. I call them. So you get out in the woods early before daylight. It's just starting to crack day, and you hear the owl off in the distance, and you hear, thank you. (laughs) Yep. Uh, If we were on video, I'd point to you and let you make that sound. There you go. There you go. (laughs) So you go over there. You get in what you think is a great setup spot, sit down. And for me, I don't do any tree calling at all. So I'm sitting there. Maybe you tree call when in this scenario. Maybe you I don't. Do. And the gobbler flies down. And he's going the other direction away from you. And it seems like he's got on track shoes. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do, you can't catch him. You can't figure out where he's going next. It's erratic. It's mm-hmm. just so frustrating. And... You call Random. Right. and you get an answer. You call, you get an answer, but every single one of those and he's answers. he's 100 yards further away. Exactly. And he's time he's further. Continue yeah. and go, continue and go. And I call those birds runners. You guys listening okay. to the show may call them something different. Scott, you make Scott and Cameron, you both. I call them a pain in the butt. That's what <laughs> I call them, pain in the butt birds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yep. I personally refer to them as a vagabond, which is something I picked up from Gene Nunnery. And right. mm-hmm. I think it's pretty accurate. The definition of that would be a, a person who wanders from place to place with no home. So that's what he referred right. to. Them. And I think Ken Morgan in his book called them circuit riders. But everyone's <laughs> come across. And I would call them, honestly, a nomad is what I would call them, a nomad. Yeah. That, and I don't even know yeah. the exact, very nomadic. They're, they're, very, they tra- they're travelers. And can I go ahead and fire away with this? You, you need to add any more? Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the first question, 
Yeah, first question, are these Easterns, and where are you hunting? Are they Miriams? Are they Rios? Are they Goulds? Yeah, the ones I'm where talking about, at? specifically Easterns. In the hills, Okay, and right? what state was this in? Alabama. What state? Alabama. Elevation or no elevation? These particular like turkeys hills, that I mountain? have in my mind, I'm going no elevation. Last year, I would just say, I hate to even call it elevation because it's just hills. Hills? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so there's kind of two categories of what, what you're referring to. If you're hunting western birds, I'll get this out of the way real quick. I've, I've had the pleasure of hunting Rios and Miriams all over Midwest and Pacific Northwest U.S. And to get this part of it out of, the, out of the equation real quick, there there a lot of those birds are like that day in, day out. They have travel paths. They roost in certain areas. They, make, they cover ground, and they're just very nomadic, vagabondish, or runners, if you will. And they just cover ground. They make this giant loop. They're probably hitting water tanks or feeding areas along the way. And they go make this giant loop. I know I've hunted with Mark Scroggins in Texas a couple of times and Oklahoma. Those birds will make like a three or four mile loop. When they hit the ground, they're gone. And yeah. and we'll get into an easy way of what Mark taught me how to hunt those nomadic birds because they do that almost every day. They, they develop routines. Now, what you're talking about is the eastern that does that. So we'll leave the western birds behind. Best scenario for western birds is to get in front of them, and that's kind of where I'm going to go with the direction with the easterns. But learn those paths and scout those birds as much as you can and try to figure out because they're, they are somewhat patternable, the midwestern birds, the Miriams and the Rios. Now, moving into easterns that are doing this, different story. In my opinion, nine out of ten times, if you're encountering that kind of turkey and it's an eastern or an Osceola even, down where I'm from, that's a, he's just following hens. The simple equation is he has just got hens that he is following or B, A, hens, B, he knows where he's going to rendezvous with hens. He has a strutting area. He has a place where he knows that hens gathered, and he is on a beeline to get to that area because he's trying to find those hens that he knows will be there. So how do we, how do we circumvent the runner, vagabond, nomad, turkey that's an eastern or an Osceola? A, use locators and try your best to keep them gobbling and get in front of them and try to cut them off at the pass. That's A. That's the simple answer. Don't yelp at them. Don't cut at them. Try to get those suckers to gobble at you with a locator call, a hawk screamer, an owl hooter, crow call, a peak, pileated woodpecker call, a peacock call, whatever. Try to use a locator, keep him fired up, and get in front of him. And a lot of times, if you just get in front of him and kind of course where he's going, it's not my number one fun way of hunting turkeys, but you can kill him. You know, it's about we're, 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 we're there to kill a turkey before we're there to call him or to, to make it bells and whistles. It's all about you're trying to put a turkey over your shoulder and carry him out of the woods. So there's times where you have to pull out the stops. You have to, you know, uh, dig in that deep bag of tricks, if you will, and find out what's going to work to make this thing a success. That is one of them. The other thing would be to try – as you get in front of him, again, everything is going to hinge on trying to cut him off. Because if you don't, the chances of him circling back to you, if he's if he's already on a predetermined destination route, is slim and none. So you have to at least be able to intersect where he's going or be in, in line with him. If you can do that, and maybe you can't get exactly in line with him where he walks by you in gun range, is where I'm going to set up and try to call to what I'm believing and stating is I think is 99 times out of 100 that's going to be hens, is I'm going to try to get his hens vocal and talk to his hens. And by doing that is to always starting with civil conversation, never getting too aggressive too fast, try to get him vocal, try to get him talking to you. Because that's going to, what's going to end up happening is if you come in and coax those hens in the gun range, he's going to be in tow, 
you let the hens walk by, you shoot the gobbler. So again, going back to the hens, always start with civil conversation. Never be too aggressive too quickly. Don't offend the boss hen. If she is the coy, passive boss hen, she's definitely going to go farther away from you as hard as she can go the other direction. If she happens to be the aggressive hen, she'll generally going to you're going to know that pretty quick. That's the hen that's going to start cutting at you and yelping and excited at you, and it's the one that people love to do the same thing back to. And then that that she wants a confrontation. If she's the non-confrontational hen, that she's never going to come in front in front of you. She's not going to so always be civil. A lot of times when you kiki run to that hen and you've not offended her, you're imitating a lost Jenny basically. And what I think happens that maternal instinct kicks in, and that hen will often come looking for that Jenny that's out there looking for company. She's not trying to start a fight with anybody. She's not being confrontational. She's just trying to find company. And sometimes their barrier will be broke down and she'll just come trying to be a mama and look for a hen that she may have thought that she lost within the flock. Outside of that, you can Jake yelp, you can gobble yelp, you can fighting purr, stage a fight with fighting purrs and flapping a wing. And lastly, you can even gobble at him and just try to challenge him and, and try to get in his area. Last but not least is just if you have the luxury of being able to pattern and scout this turkey, I think if, you, if you've if you hunted him longer than a day or two, was it you, Cameron, or Andy? Who, who was it that actually experienced this last year? I did. Andy did last year, yeah. Andy, Andy, you did. Okay. Did Was it the same bird? Did you get to hunt him more than once? I went in did there. Did you get to pattern Yeah, I went in there a couple of different times after I got behind him and just ran around and in circles and my Chasing. tracker yep. on on x looked like a, a bowl of spaghetti <laughs> and <laughs> i went back in there and i never i didn't find that bird again that you know running around so and, this was not acting a fool okay so i couldn't pattern so you weren't him. able to actually pattern him no. he, he just wasn't consistent so that's even a, even even to go back to the nuts and bolts of your whole the premise of this whole runner thing is that was just that one day that gobbler had hens and he was following those hens as hard as he could go. And they probably heard you calling and wanted nothing to do with you. And they were going to get as far away from you being the new girl in the block than they could have. So that's all you experience there. I mean, and that's, that, that may be a one-off, you know what I mean? But, but I think we've got a lot of good meat and potato stuff that you can try. And, and it all hinges on that. If you haven't been able to pattern him and this is new to you and this is a new Turkey, this, this whole pattern is for one day, if you will then you got to get in front of him and try to cut him off at the pass and then try the different scenarios and setups and calling sequences that I mentioned. If it's Miriam's and Rio's, like I said earlier, then those, that's just common practice for them almost daily. So that's just you. If you're hunting with a guide or if you're hunting with somebody with knowledge of those turkeys, definitely pick their brain um, because they'll generally have a good idea where you can cut them off at the pass. And I will say, when those birds are doing that type of deal, the western birds are doing their loop, if you will, and getting gone. They fly down, they hit the ground, they, and they're gone. You can call them in a gun range. If you can get around and intercept them somewhere on that route, yeah. those those gobblers, you can call in a gun range. If it's an eastern again, I think you're going to find that. That's not something you're going to see every single day, like you only experienced it the one time. So that's mm-hmm. something where if nothing I talk about works, then just keep after him and just keep after him. Get Get back in there find that turkey and find him on a different day. And then hopefully you can work him in a gun range fight, live to live to fight another day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So these, as I call them runners, these Easterns, do you think that these birds that do that fly down and they're on the go on the move constantly? Do you think they're subordinate? Oh, not necessarily. Okay. No, no. I mean, unless, unless you experience 
two different birds flying down in, in slightly different directions, and the one bird is more stationary and the other bird just kind of leaves, yeah. that bird would be, in my opinion, just based on vocalizations and listening to what I'm and assessing what I'm listening to, the bird that leaves real quick but does gobble for whatever reason, that could be a subordinate. The one that's staying there in that area that where they both were roosted, that's going to be your dominant bird. So, yeah, that is a possibility if there's multiple birds. But for just one <laughs> single bird being the only one that you're chasing, I don't think that that's necessarily a subordinate bird. He, just, he is chasing him, especially if this is an eastern Osceola. Or he's going somewhere where he knows he's going he's gonna to gather hens, where he's meeting with hens a strut zone or a rendezvous area, if you will. Yeah, kind of hitting checkpoints where he's he's been with the girls before. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if he's not roosted with hens, especially. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so that bird that is not with hens, there's another bird in the area, and the one that's not roosted with hens takes off running, and, and we could say, okay, that's, a, that's possibly a subordinate bird. That's right. not going to be one I we're going to want to gobble at or gobble or yelp at. No. Great observation. Yeah. More than likely, no. More than likely, no. I mean, we're, we're, this is all speculatory. Sure. You know, yeah. we all like to think we know a lot about the birds. And, <laughs> and, and thinking like them, to some degree, does make a difference, and it does kill turkeys. But, but we're all speculating here. I am not trying to claim that I know exactly that's why he's doing it. That is definitely what I am thinking. And, and a lot of times, too, those, that, that same situation you'll find, you'll have multiple birds gobbling on the limb, and then the big boy hits the ground, and everybody else shuts up. Mm-hmm. That's something I encounter more frequently than, than two birds gobbling, say, 100 yards apart. The one flies down, continues to gobble. The other one does gobble but leaves and hauls butt. I mean, definitely would be what I would consider a possible subordinate, or they just shut up. More times than not, they all, I've been, I've been, I mean, I've heard five and six birds in a wad gobbling their brains off on the roost when they hit the ground everybody shut up but that big boy that dominant bird so it, it could be uh it could be a subordinate bird that continues continues to gobble and eases off like that it, and more times than not they just shut up so there's also that which is a whole nother podcast about hey i heard five birds only one gobble on the ground well you better sit down and call and be looking because he's going to come in there quiet <laughs> he's going to come sneaking yeah. yeah that's a whole nother podcast literally but yep if two flew down, like you just said, and one took out and was still gobbling, and one was gobbling and sitting in one spot, would you chase the one, or would you go to the one by sitting in one spot? <laughs> um, probably since I'm getting old and lazy and slow, I just probably try to hunt for one that's just sitting in one spot. <laughs> <laughs> Scott and I are I in mean, the same mental, physical condition. <laughs> See, I, I figured yeah, the, no, the one I... taken out's a nice two-year-old. He might want some company. I might take out after him. It could be. It could be, and that could be definitely the one that you want to chase. Yep, but it's just hard to tell. It, again, yeah. that's all speculation. Yep. Scott, Cameron, and I were were hunting in Arkansas together this past season, and a bird flew down off one of the. I'm still going to call it a hill, but it it's a big hill. No, that was a mountain. Okay, flies, <laughs> flies down off the roost up on the, on the edge of the mountain as as Cameron calls it and turns around and starts going up the hill and is not gobbling a whole lot is very 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 sporadically and Cameron looks at me and he says come on and I said see you later <laughs> yeah. you go right ahead be my guest <laughs> yeah I was like and you got to get up there, there with him yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that I, I don't know if that's where you're going with this, but I've had the pleasure of hunting birds in the hills and the mountains of New York, Idaho, Oregon, West Virginia, 
Pennsylvania, New York. I think I said New York already. Um, trying to think um, some of the, the pine ridges of, of Nebraska and either get even with them or get above them. That's all I can tell you. It's, you don't want to try to call them down there. And then when the one's doing that, and, and we talked about elevation earlier, if you encounter that same type of turkey that's trying to get gone, it's even tougher when you're in elevation because you're having it, – it's amazing. We don't know how it's humanly possible for these birds to cover ground like they do, but I've chased Miriams in Nebraska and the Pine Ridges. And I'm not saying they're mountains, but they're, it's a lot to afford a flatlander, I promise you. It's, it's okay. the mini mountains, we'll call it. And yeah. it was we could not we could not keep up with the turkeys. We could not get around on these turkeys. It was the most bizarre thing how these birds with these two foot long legs are able to traverse this rigid ground, this rocky, rigid ponderosa pine infested ground is absolutely beyond me. I'll never understand it. And it makes it really a challenge to even get in front of them and try to do what we talked about in the last 30 minutes because it's, they just they move so quickly. And you're trying to check them, and you're trying to check them, and the next thing you know, they're a country mile away. You can't, you can't get up with them. Just like you said, they got running shoes on. But at any rate, they can be very challenging in elevation. The birds that are doing exactly what you're talking about in the hills and the mountains can be 10 times as hard to get in front of and try to do what we're talking about. Yeah, That's when you get in the truck and you just drive off and go up the hill and around the mountain, and then you get your locators out and you pick him back. You get out of the truck and you pick him back up and then get above him and drop down to him if you need to. So there you go. There's the tip of the day. If you're in mountains, get on the roads, get above him, and drive up the hilltop in your truck, and then get out and get after it. <laughs> save that energy and save those knees. <laughs> yeah. I was sending 24, 25-year-old Cameron up the mountain, and I was going to sit down at the bottom and wait on that fat, slow, old, dumb, deaf, blind, 10-year-old gobbler to walk by me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, no doubt. So on these birds in elevation, these runners, vagabonds, nomads, whatever we want to call them, when we encounter them in elevation, still we we want to, the goal is to still just to try to get in front of them, figure out where they're going and try to get there. Right. So no different really than any yeah, other I mean, turkey hunt. No, no, it's just more challenging. I mean, Again, it's the elevation makes it hard on the knees and the and the quads and the calves and everything else. But there's not really any specific tactic. If they get gone, you better get around in front of them. There's not. There's just not a lot. I mean, the chances of you ever just stopping as he's leaving and you call some special way that makes yeah. him lose his mind and turn around and walk back the way he just came is going to be slim. And I'm not saying you can't do it. I may have even I may I may could actually sit back and think of a story where it did it happened that way, but nine times out of ten, use whatever you can use, whatever means you can use. And I was being joking. I was joking about getting in the truck, but I was being serious too. Oh yeah. If you can get and use, yeah. you can cover ground with a golf cart, a vehicle, because I mean the chances are those type of birds are going to continue to gobble, and you're not going to spook him or anything. So you're going to use what you can use to get in front of him as quick as you possibly can. And the other thing is, and I've left this out completely, is he roosted where he roosted, and that's where you started the engagement that morning. Let him go off into the wild blue yonder, be back in that same area where he roosted by about four or three or three or four o'clock that next that same afternoon, because there's a very good chance he's going to roost in that general vicinity. So that may be all it takes. He may go out, find his hens, breed his hens, follow his hens, et cetera, and then towards the end of the day, they're going to be filtering back in those same areas, mm-hmm. whether it's flat land or in the elevation. There's a good chance he could end up back in that same area, and that I've done numerous times. So I kind of 
that just came to me as we were talking. Try to hunt them that afternoon as they're coming back in that area to, to roost that e- that evening, and that can also be very successful, and it can save a lot of calories being burnt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and maybe get a nap in between the time you. There you go. It's lunch and a nap. Yep. Heck yeah, that's what I'm down for. Lunch and a nap. <laughs> me too. <laughs> it seems like to me those turkeys that haul tail a lot they seem to gobble a lot to me i don't know have you noticed that andy i have and you know so here in my mind and and again just to repeat what scott said earlier on you know we're we're all speculating what's going on with these turkeys because we can't ever ask them hey what why did you do that (laughs) but in my mind what the runners that I have come across seem to be those subordinate birds that are covering ground, covering ground, covering ground, trying to find that hen, that one hen that's by herself, that's not with a flock, not with a dominant bird. And, you know, they're, that's why they're doing what they're doing. And they do seem, even the Easterns seem to run a circuit, seem to run a big loop or a big circle and eventually will end up roosting back in the spot that you saw them or that you first heard them mm-hmm. but it may be a week 10 days 14 days that kind of thing before they're back in there they just seem to you know be moving all around but they're gobbling almost at every single sound in the woods and mm-hmm. to me it's kind of like you know them telling that lone hen that's out there wandering around hey I'm over here and you know, if she can catch him, great. And if not, he's moving over to the next place where he's seen hens before. Uh, mm. You know, that's how I play that out in my head. Whether that's yeah. really what's going yeah. on or not, I I have no idea. And that's why, you know, this is so frustrating when I run across it for me. And thankfully, I don't run across it all the time. Because if I did, yeah, I, I think we uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think we've covered a pretty wide gamut of of tactics and scenarios. and uh, scenarios that we could try to utilize on these birds yeah there's and at times there's just a point where you go by and you go hunt another turkey yeah and don't bother with him it's not even worth he's gobbling mm-hmm. like he is because he wants you to come with him and there's mm-hmm. a chance that he's doing what he's doing because in my opinion he has hens i've encountered those type of birds to definitely against what you were just saying you said a week 10 days i haven't i haven't seen that so much i've seen those type of birds come back to those same roosting areas um but it, you just you just never know like i said i think the, i think the listeners have a good set of basics to try on these birds and the randomness that they are sometimes will be more frustrating than just at, than trying to go and just find another turkey and go hunting and let that bird alone and come back and hunt him another day yeah and you did you gave some great tactics and i think Given those key keys to see, hey, does he have hens with him is, you know, a great way to start that out and really, you know, might help key us in on exactly what type of turkey it is that we're dealing with. Right, right. So, yep. yeah, I think there's some great tips in there. I appreciate that. Scott, one one more question that's not exactly with that, but you said, you mentioned cool. Jake yelping. Do you have uh, – do you jake up on a mouth call or do you use slate or box call for that i do it on anything i do it on a mouth call i do it on a pot call on a mouth call you drop all the pressure off of your tongue and drag it out and try to emulate almost like a dog barking 
you know, you just slow yeah. it, y'all, 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 kind of drag it out, and it literally simulates almost like a dog barking. On okay. a pot call, get off of your sweet spot where you love to run your pot call and run it more towards the center of the pot, and that'll get that deeper pitch. Mm-hmm. So the rhythm down just a skosh, and then you're going to have a Jake Yelp. With a box call, light, light, light pressure. Don't push down hard on the paddle. Again, drag the note out a little bit, slow the rhythm down. So you can do it on any device. I do it on a tube call as well. Mm-hmm. Light the pressure up, drag it out, slow down the rhythm. It's those, basically those three key t- tactics. And I think okay. what, it, and I'll add an interesting spin to this before we close out, is uh, I think hunters kill a ton of gobblers every year because they're Jake yelping or gobbler, we'll call it slash gobbler yelping, and they don't realize they're doing it. Mm-hmm. They don't realize they're doing it. I made this assertion about two or three years ago. I go, you know, I bet there are so many people on these old box calls, these old Lynch's foolproofs, these deeper uh, pitched box calls, and guys are trying to be so deliberate with their yelping, they don't ever develop actual pin rhythm. They're just trying to stroke out that paddle. Yawk, 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 yawk. And they're running it real slow, and it's very deep in pitch. I think people kill turkeys year in, year out, and they're only killing them because that gobbler thinks a Jake is slid him over there. And he doesn't, he's not, I think it's because he doesn't think it's a hen, I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the whole percentage of the turkey population, but I think a lot of birds are killed every year if, if you could somehow take a poll. But they're killed because that guy sounded more like a Jake, and they, they thought there was a Jake slipping in the side door, the back door. Yep. Mm-hmm. Said that yeah. for the last two or three years now. I completely agree with that because I was one of those guys once and I had an old lynch call, literally exactly what you just described. And I did that <laughs> to a turkey after calling to him with everything else. I brought out my old lynch box and I was like, I'm going to do some really sweet long yelps. This is before I even knew what a Jake yelp was. And that tour right. came running in immediately. And I exactly. missed him clean as clean as a whistle, but <laughs> Oh, what a what a buzzkill, bro. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to throw that in yeah, there, but, but Yeah, that was you could have just said exactly I shot the crap out of him. <laughs> yeah. But that no, is I exactly... shot right over him, so <laughs> No, I, I've done that like once in my life. No, <laughs> yeah, I mean that is exactly a perfect example of what I think happens. You didn't even realize you were doing it, but mm-hmm. you were dragging those slow, deep, deliberate yelps out, yep. and it emulated a Jake. And again, yep. I think in their mind they're thinking that a Jake is sneaking in the back door, basically, and that's yep. what sucks them right in. I think it happens year after year. That's that's a great story to add and a great spin to add to exactly what I was saying. So. Very yep. cool, very I, cool. Other than, I other know that's meant. what happened because <laughs> I heard about Jake yelping years later and thought about that turkey, and I was like, I did that. I didn't even know it. You did. I you did. didn't even know it. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome, dude. And there's, it's becoming really popular. It's starting to really catch on, and I think you're going to see a lot of people killing a lot of turkeys by doing it on purpose, by doing it on mm-hmm. purpose. Yep. Mm-hmm. I hate to ask this question because I think that I don't want to hear the answer to it. Scott, is there a time that you find that a Jake Yelp won't work on a Tom? Oh, I mean, it's like any other turkey sound. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I can, I can't tell you a time. It doesn't. All I know is a lot of the success that I have is willing to dig deep in that bag of tricks and try different tactics if I've done something for five or ten minutes and it doesn't work, I do the next thing. If I call aggressive, that didn't close the deal, I go quiet. If going quiet doesn't work, I do soft clucking and purring and whining and yelping. If that doesn't work, I'll stage a fight. If that doesn't work, I'll reposition. If that doesn't work, 
that's the key to being a successful turkey hunter is watching everything unfold in front of his eyes, developing a game plan, and taking all of the success you've had over the years and running it through your turkey computer, your encyclopedia, if you will, and trying to figure out what worked in this situation. You, you have to be quick on your feet. You know what I mean? You have to be able to deduce quickly, okay, okay, similar situation. Five years ago, I remember this turkey. Okay, okay, this is what I did. And if that doesn't work, go to the next tactic. Be three-dimensional. That's why I love turkey hunting so much. I love to whitetail archery deer hunt, but it's not as three-dimensional as what you can do with a turkey to try to control your destiny. If none of that works, then you have to low-crawl to get tighter to that turkey and then cluck and purr, then do it. Get into his bedroom. That's another great whole podcast about how many times I've gotten birds that were 80, 90 yards. It would not break, and I, I put my ninja suit on and straight up <laughs> slipped into to about 60 yards and then clucked and purred with my ninja skills, and he closed the distance, and boom, he's a dead turkey. Mm-hmm. I used there, – there's – you have to be three-dimensional, and when something doesn't work, you have to be ready to go to the next tactic. And that's how I, a lot of how I've become successful over the years. Never stick with one tactic. I'll always be three-dimensional. Never be afraid to try something because you never know what's going to work. So to answer your question, when is the time it, that Jake Help doesn't work? Who knows? I mean, it's just something else. After I've done my normal course of action – which is basically aggressive calling, soft calling, and shutting up completely. Then all stops are pulled. And from there, that's when I'm going to start doing the different stuff, the more advanced tactics. And Jake Helping is going to be one of them. It works. If it works, you know, 3% of the time, you know what I mean? This, this do the law of averages. If it, if it, if it, happen, if it works 5% of the time, you know, which is maybe once every other season, but that time it worked and it made it was a success and we ended up bagging a turkey because of it, then it's something that you cannot discount and you cannot mm-hmm. not try. It's something that you have to try before you give up on that turkey and you, and, you, and you move on to the next bird. Yeah, very good. Man, we've kept you on the phone for a long time talking turkeys, and I know we could uh, keep going, but you got <laughs> things you got to do, and I'm sure you probably are getting a little bit hungry for dinner. So, one last question, at least Absolutely. for me. Cameron may say, wait, I've got one. <laughs> i got 10 more. I, 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 it's all right, my friend. I, I really enjoy trying to trying to help people become more successful. And that's been, yeah, yeah it's been one of my legacies um, with my YouTube videos over the years and the, and the DVDs and the, and the new app. My thing is longevity to the legacy of turkey hunting. And if I could do something answering these questions for you guys, us talking scenarios and tactics and techniques. If it's something that I can do that, that helps a guy go out and have success, then you know what? The more successful the hunters are, the longer they're going to turkey hunt. Yeah. And the longer they turkey hunt, the more it helps what we love and we and, and it helps hunting in general. It helps people come back and want to do it more. The guy that goes out strikes out every time he goes out for three years, he's going to quit turkey hunting. He's just going to stop. So if I can give one little tip, one little tactic, teach them one little yelp or one little cluck and purr that makes them go out that season and have success, just like you mentioned at the very beginning of this thing, you watched my videos and it's helped with your calling and your success. That's going to make you want to go out and turkey hunt longer and continue to turkey hunt probably the rest of your life. So that's that's my ploy on it. So mm-hmm. without me getting into another dissertation, I apologize. <laughs> what was your question? Was it Andy? What was your question, Andy? Yeah, the question I have for you is where are you headed this season for hunting? Obviously, you're going to open oh. Florida, but where are you going from there? What other states are you covering? Thanks, man. Yeah, that's awesome. It's going to be crazy. You know, I'm 45 years old, 
And every year I say, you know what, you're going to scale it back, dude. Now, that said, in the same breath, I'm trying to do a U.S. Super Slam, but I'm not going to do it in two or three or four or five years. It's going to take me a while. I've got like 20, 20 something states I've killed birds in. I've been blessed. I've been very privileged and very blessed. So every year I'm trying to click off a few more states. I, I go and hunt with a few great friends, hunts that I will do every year until I'm dead. Like those hunts will take precedence over even clicking off states that I haven't killed birds in if I end up running out of you know d- desire and passion. But that said, I'm going to start in a few weeks, as I mentioned, in South Florida with my son Jake. And then from there, be it'll be Florida from first weekend in March all the way into uh, the last week in March will pretty much be Florida. Then after that, the first weekend in April, I'm headed to South Carolina, and I've got Georgia in April, and I think I'm I think I have twice two hunts in Georgia in April. May slide in another Florida hunt in April, and then May is going to be very interesting because I'm uh, first weekend and I'm going to Michigan, which will be my first hunt in Michigan, mm-hmm. and trying to get my one bird knockout in Michigan for that Super Slam. Then uh, I'm home for Mother's Day weekend, I believe. I didn't schedule anything. Then the next weekend, which is mid-May, I'm going to Washington. Now, that's going to be interesting. One, I need to check the state off because I've, I've killed birds in Oregon and Idaho, but I have not done uh, Washington State yet, so I want to get that one checked off. And then I think I take a break for my wife's birthday weekend. <laughs> yeah. And then the last yeah. weekend in May, I'm heading to Maine. I'm going to Maine the last weekend in May to hunt with Sam Perkins up in Maine and try to knock out Maine, which is uh, really someplace I've always wanted to hunt up in the way up in the northeast like that. So <laughs> that's kind of where I'm going, about six states, hitting about six states this year. And don't know if, I'm not sure if I'm going to get an, if I'm going to actually get a single season Grand Slam because Washington, we're going to be trying for a Miriam, but we could end up with a Rio or a hybrid, just no telling. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Without knowing what I'm hunting in Washington, kind of leaves it open-ended for me to try. I think I've got four single-season Grand Slams, and a lot of them aren't even by design. They just kind of happen that way as the hunts got got booked, or not booked, but I, I set my schedule. It was like, wait, wait a minute, I can go to Oklahoma, but then I can also go to Northwest Nebraska or blah yada yada. And a lot yeah. of times, it's not even planned. It just kind of falls into place. Yeah. So, yeah. Very cool. So. Of the states that you're hitting, the six that you're going to, two are new ones to you, Washington? Three. Three, Maine, three. Michigan, and Michigan, Washington. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Michigan. Yep. Very good. Well, yeah, so you've been to the Northwest already. You you already know that that's awesome. That's going to be a great trip. Oh, I love it. I love it out there. It's so beautiful. Yep. Yeah, it is. And all I can tell you about Maine is you're going to have fun, but plan on going to eat lobster for lunch after you tag out. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I like them. Those, those main lobsters with those claws. You know, we have rock lobsters here in Florida. Yeah. And, uh, they're delicious, but they have no claws. No claws. So, yeah, that claw meat's where it's at, baby. I'll be doing that for sure. <laughs> I'll be eating some seafood if I can. If I'm close enough to it, I'm going to be eating some seafood for sure. Absolutely, man. Good deal. Well, I'll see you here in a couple of weeks in Nashville, but, of course, I may forget to say it, when I see you, good luck to you this season and safe travels as you're going all around and chasing birds. I hope you have a the season of your life this coming season. I hope it's a great I appreciate one. it. Yeah. You guys too. You guys keep me posted and tagging me in pictures and I'll do the same and thanks for having me aboard. I'm always I'm always an open book for people to try to to try to learn something from me if I can be of any service to the fellow turkey hunters out there, the brotherhood of turkey hunters, I will gladly do what I can do to 
to help them succeed in the things that I've been successful with, the tactics that helped me be successful. Well, and, and it shows. It's evident. And we appreciate you for that very much. Thank you, fellas. Absolutely. I appreciate you. All right. All right. Have a great night. See ya. You too. All right. Bye. All right. That's all that we've got for you guys from Scott today. I hope that you guys enjoyed that interview. I mean, was that fast-paced and full of information or what? Oh, yeah. Holy Y'all cow. had to have gotten something out of that. <laughs> and I'm promising you what editing Cameron and I have done to this episode is basically for just cosmetics. Mm-hmm. I did not take out any of the top secret tips that Scott gave. You got everything Scott gave. Yep. Yep. He just took out all the top secret tips I gave. <laughs> You weren't supposed to tell that part. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You remember. My magic calls. uh, I'll tell them about it on a later episode. Yeah. But that was awesome. I mean, he was laying it on the line. And I think we got a lot of tips that we can use, not just when hunting those runners or vagabonds or nomads, but hunting any Tom. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, I think definitely so. If a three-time Grand National Champion's telling you something about calling, it's time to listen. And judging by his videos, Scott's killed a few turkeys in his time. You should pick up something from that. I know I did. Yeah, you know, one of the, or I should say, another one of the big differences between a hunter like Scott and a hunter like me is I just tell you when I kill one and you believe it. I'm great at making stuff up. Scott has video evidence of him killing turkeys. <laughs> so If I carried a camera, you'd see a lot of scared turkeys that I miss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I can safely say I've never missed one. Oh, good. Yeah. Today. Well, you've seen me miss a couple times. I'm pretty prone to it. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, you know, that was probably one of my favorite interviews right there that's just and i think for any not just experienced hunters but for any new turkey hunters that interview right there had to blow your mind because there's so yep. much information that he went through and so many scenarios and i think for a new hunter that they, they may not realize the minute details that go through the mind of a of a hunter like that you know what i mean oh, yeah. there's just so many little decisions that make the whole hunt that you don't you got to just go out there and figure it out luckily you get a few tips from podcasts like this yeah well cool man so in the listener survey this year somebody recommended that we give a calling tip and i'm going to throw in this or or a hunting tip every week do you have a calling tip you would like to share even though we just got about 50 (laughs) minutes of them Let's see, if I could give a calling tip, one thing that has worked for me in the past is remember in your mind, and Andy, I believe you're the one that told me this, that it's a two-way conversation. You don't just yelp and he gobbles and then you be quiet. That can work, but I've had a lot of success when I'm answering him like he's answering me. It excites me when he gobbles at me. It probably is exciting him when I call back to him. That would be my calling tip of the week. I like it. I know you do. You're the one that told it to me. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, and I wish that I could say I came up with that on my own, even though it makes perfectly good sense, and I should have come up with that on my own. I was actually told differently from someone, a friend of my dad's, who took me turkey hunting a couple of times when I was just learning. He was from the old school of turkey hunting, and he told me, when you call and that turkey answers, put the call down. You're done. Mm-hmm. And was he wrong? No, because I killed yes some turkeys no. that way. <laughs> but could he have given me a little bit better advice and said, when you call and that turkey answers you and you hit him again and tell him you like what he just said to you and he answers again and then you put the call down, I would have killed a lot more turkeys. Mm-hmm. Because it's that, just what Cameron said, it's that two-way conversation. Think back to when you were single and you tell a girl, man, I'd really like to take you out on a date. And you get this. And then think about that time when you told a girl you'd really like to take her out on a date and she said, oh, that'd be awesome. Can we go this Friday? I've, I, I know exactly what I want to do. Exactly. So, you know, you're a lot more fired up about female number two than you are female number one who gave you the solid mm-hmm. treatment when you said, would you like to go out? So that's a little human spin on, on a scenario that's totally made up in my head, but I do have a few turkey feet and beers hanging on the wall that that has worked for me on. So great tip, Cameron. Yes, absolutely. Hope it helps somebody. All right. So with that being said, that's everything that we've got for you. We do have a favor to ask of you guys this week, and the favor this week has changed from what it's been the past month. The past month, I've been asking you guys to help us by completing the listener survey, but we're shutting that down because we can't run it forever. And this week, I'm going to ask you to go to your podcast player application. And in that application, there is a share button. And if you will click that share button, and share this week's episode with two turkey hunting buddies, two, then that's a huge help for me and Cameron. And it may end up being a huge help for you because you never know when you might be hunting with that turkey hunting buddy this spring and he pulls out one of the tricks that Scott told us and does that while he's calling a turkey for you and you're able to get a shot at one. So... Share this week's episode using the share button in your podcast player application. That's a man, I just can't tell you guys how much that helps us out with this show by spreading the word. So that's all I've got. Cameron, you have anything you'd like to add before we sign off? Everybody be safe, get plenty of sleep. You're gonna need to bank it up now because in 40 days it's on. That's all I got. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, 
strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.